Hello, everyone, and welcome to DN Discussions, episode 21, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my uh, brother from another mother, Ben Bumhopper. Oh, went that way this time, huh? Okay, okay. (laughs) I don't write any of these down before we start, so sometimes it just, it's just, whatever is. It's just a shocking. Like, oh, shoot, I forgot I need to intro. <laughs> I mean, we've both been pe- podcasting for a very long time, and yeah, that, that's how it goes. <laughs> it really yeah, is. Yeah, it really is. How are you doing tonight? But uh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? How's the, the lockdown uh, working out for you over there? Uh, it, is, it is very locked down. Uh, we actually had quarantine date night tonight. Oh. We, we got some uh, curbside to go IHOP. And nice. loaded up uh, onward, which is actually very appropriate. It is such a great night. movie, too. It, it is. Uh, it is very D and D reference filled. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. <laughs> but it was, and it was really, really good. Yeah, it it has like every Pixar movie. It has a lot of heart to it, but uh, like some of the deep dives and some of those jokes are perfect if you're into D and D and just fantasy in general and everything. I mean, there's there's some really good stuff in there. Gelatinous cube. <laughs> oh my gosh, so so good, so yeah. good. Check that out. You know that should have been our community shout out. Just watch watch onward. Yeah, watch onward. It's on Disney Plus now. Mm-hmm. Like you can, it's, it's out on digital. You can buy it, you can run it and it's on Disney plus. So definitely check it out. If you're, if you're a D and D fan slash Pixar fan slash uh fun fan a fan. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> it's <laughs> really good. Like yeah. it is, it is solid. It's funny. It's uh, Nevermore. And I actually caught it in the theater like a week before the theater started shutting down and everything. And uh, as soon as it hit digital, I'm like buying it. It's just, uh, it's fun. It's great. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, so we've got a few topics for today and Ben, this first one is near and dear to your heart. So I'm going to let you introduce what we got for our, our DM topic tonight. Well, it's so funny that you say that is near and dear because I've never done it, but I'm so intrigued and I really want to. And the reason I've never done it is because it takes a lot of planning and that is, uh, having a friendly NPC of some sort. Uh, betraying your party and it, it, it's something that's uh you know like really good stories have just you know whether it, it be you know a, a book movie or something like a, a really good betrayal or a big twist or something like that is is really kind of hard to come by and and do incredibly well and i haven't worked up to that yet in fact if uh, any of my players are listening this isn't me saying, oh, be on the lookout because someone's going to betray you. Not that at all. But, uh, you know, it is a concept and something that I've been thinking about a whole lot just because I do want to have something in there to make the world, again, feel a little bit more immersive, a little bit more real. Not everybody that they run into is going to be a super awesome, happy, great person. So you kind of have to mix it up a little bit and and just like how when we do combat there are stakes for everything that happens relationships also need to have those sorts of things as well totally true oh yeah and like the biggest thing of any betrayal that you need is some sort of good motivation for it 
at least that's what I think that in all my time of thinking about this and stuff, this is what I've kind of come down to because you can't just have someone just, you know, flip willy nilly and be like, Oh, ha ha. I stab you. And I take this thing because why, you know, it, it starts off with how are they inserting themselves into the PC's lives? How, why are they doing it? What is the ultimate end goal of this character and how are they using the PC's, to their advantage in whatever way that it happens. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of ways you can go about this, but if you want to do it well, it needs to be not, not telegraphed Mm -hmm. per se, but it needs to be, as you were saying, built up with good reason. There needs to be backstory to this character. There needs to be good motivations. Maybe it's a, unwitting betrayal or maybe it's a forced betrayal because this person's family is being held hostage or there is a curse on this person or you know there's there's some other external motivator that maybe this person is not bad per se but mm-hmm. they are going to betray the party because x y or z exactly and so there's, there's a lot of interesting ways you can play around with that, but at the same time, there's the, the overboard version, and I've, I've been in games like this where anytime we meet an NPC, everyone is automatically like, what's he going to do? <laughs> Bad, right? Like, what's, what's, the, what's the catch? What's the angle? And it's, you have to be really careful about that because if you make your NPCs turn out to be bad guys too often, or they try to cheat or swindle too often, the, the players are going to just automatically then assume that every NPC they meet is terrible. And we don't want that either. Exactly. I mean, just like the world right now is filled with good people and bad people, your, your world that you're running needs to actually be the same way. And Ryan, you said it perfectly because if, they meet a named person. It's like, um, like a, an episode of star Trek, a red shirt beams down with captain Kirk, Spock and McCoy. Guess who's going to die. You know, you, you can't have a new person for the episode come in and have something bad going on. Automatically. You're going to be throwing suspicion at this character. So that's why, like I said, start off with a good motivation and then let it build, let it grow, let it kind of, you know, that, that negativity or, or that, that betrayal just kind of fester for a while before it actually gets revealed. Because if you just meet someone, it's like, oh, I'm your tour guide. I'm taking you through this evil temple. Pretty cool. Ha ha, I'm going to kill you now. It's, who cares? But if it's someone that the players have been, you know, coming to being, using as a confidant for, you know, tons of sessions, uh, maybe they get their supplies from this person or something like that. Just think about them actually taking any sort of information that they're getting from the players and giving it to the big bad evil guy or uh, possibly, you know, giving them say potions or something that are less effective than they're supposed to be or have different consequences. Just like there's a bunch of different tiny subtle ways where you can start affecting what's happening to them that doesn't really clue them back in. Or if you want to have the possibility of this actually, you know, coming to light, start leaving little tiny breadcrumbs here and there as well. You know, there's, there's plenty of ways to go around it. You can make them completely paranoid with themselves. You can frame another NPC. There's, there's just a lot to do. And when I say that it's, 
it, it's a lot of planning. It really is to make it good. And I'm oh, it, so, yeah. so bad at trying to figure something out like this, you know, like, unless it's like well in advance. Uh, it's, it's hard. And it's, it's one of those things too. Like Ben was saying, you don't want something this, this big or this impactful to come out of thin air. So it is up to you to make sure that it is uh, in some way, not, not necessarily expected, but there needs to be indications. Mm -hmm. And if uh, the players catch on to those indications, you need to reward the players for doing that. Be it unmasking this betrayer in their midst or finding out that I was going to betray you. I was going to trade something in. I was going to sell something. I was going to give away a location. They have X, Y, or Z on me. Please help me. And that it's in itself can be a take your storyline in a really interesting direction, even mm -hmm. though the actual betrayal part didn't happen. And it can feel really good to the players to figure that kind of stuff out and if they don't, that's one of those things that after the session uh, or after the moment has happened, you can go or you can post-mortem it a little bit with your players and go, did you notice this? Did you notice this? This was this. Mm -hmm. And then they'll start going, oh, oh, no. Mm -hmm. Oh, I missed that. Oh, no, this, that, and the other. And so uh, that's it's sometimes it's not necessarily and I know some DMs seem to be very afraid of it, but it's not necessarily bad to do postmortems mm -hmm. on your on your sessions um, or explain uh, reasoning behind certain decisions you as a DM make or talk a little more in depth about things that happen after the fact, lifting the curtain a little bit, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, can really help your players understand a little more. Yeah, exactly. And that being said, uh, if it turns out that they're going in an entirely different direction than what you're kind of trying to steer it towards a little bit, you know, you can alter course, you can change different things to, you know, try to, you know, maybe fit it along the path that they're leading you or just completely drop it and move on try it again with something else. It's something that, you know, we've talked about in almost every episode that we've done. And that's, you know, be very flexible with what you're doing. So even though this could take a grand, huge plan to, you know, really kind of have an idea of what's going on, you can still alter it along the way because until the actual grand reveal, it's not technically happening. There could yeah. be little hints here and there and stuff. And if they pick on up on it, great. You know that you can definitely kind of head towards that. If no one's picking up anything on it, if no one's really writing anything down or, or, or thinking about it at all, it's just kind of like, okay, cool. And either leave it for just a really weird surprise that's out of left field that you explain to them and then they realize, oh crap, there's all these things going on and they're so complex. And then they, they look at you like you're an amazing DM or they uh, are just like, huh. Okay. So Joey Joe's evil now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of along those same lines too, you have to, you have to be careful and you have to kind of feel it out when you introduce, and this is, this isn't necessarily just for an NPC that you may have uh, do a betrayal uh, against the party, but for any NPC, 
that especially that you're planning on keeping around mm -hmm. for any length of time. You need to make sure that it's something that the, the players like. Uh, one of the worst things you can do is have an NPC that the players absolutely hate sticking around for a long time or really trying to mm -hmm. get like there's there's definitely story beats of oh I'm not gonna like this NPC or this NPC is a big like tool or you know whatever <laughs> or a liability yeah or a liability and that's fine it's fine to have NPCs like that but it's usually not a good idea to have NPCs like that that are going to be sticking around long term that are actually going to make the party mad or frustrate or anger the actual players because of of the certain of the things things that they do yeah, and force that upon them it's like you don't want to have a a, a a 10 session escort quest with a complete arrogant jerk not that's just fun. not fun that's just not fun for anybody exactly exactly so you have to be you have to be careful about that kind of read the room see if see if the the characters the players are latching on to this npc mm -hmm. um or if they they're just doing something interesting or if they seem like none of them seem to be latching on none of them seem to be interested or excited about it and you know that's fine take that idea put it back in the in the bucket it can come out again as a as another thing. Exactly. Use recycle. And one of the neat things too is that um, you could have an NPC already, who you know you you've you've uh, created and everything that the parties met that you know they might like well enough and everything. You can still take and turn them into something more or something different. Uh, again, if you want to go a, a betrayal route or or something you know, just more complex for that character, just, you know, kind of basing off of uh, what you were talking about, Ryan. Like I have a, a shopkeeper, Matilda, and my, my players absolutely fell in love with her the first time they met her. And because of that, I kind of grew her a little bit. I've given her a backstory. I've given her like some pretty tragic stuff that, I mean, who knows if they'll ever dig into it at all, but I've got like, an actual other's adventure set up in my mind and everything. If they decide to ever kind of look at it and, and dig further into why she is the way she is and who knows based on stuff that happened in her past, I could probably figure out some way to, to somehow betray the party if I wanted to probably not her. Cause I love her too much to do that, but you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yep. Now it's uh it's not something I've, necessarily done before i've definitely come close the the closest i think i've come to would have been a uh an npc with ulterior motives mm -hmm. not necessarily betrayal of the party but this could get them into trouble because this person wants x mm -hmm. and the party wants it too but in a different way type thing Gotcha. And I mean, just for ways uh, or a different, you know, type of betrayal, there's always like, you know, exacting revenge on a party member. Maybe they're the brother of someone that your barbarian killed in dishonorable combat or something. Um, there's always the classic, uh, the person that you're doing these quests for, you're actually gathering all the things to, you know, end the world. 
you know, they, they're the big bad evil guy and they've, you know, persuaded you and convinced you that they're doing something good or trying to, you know, save it or something like that. Um, there's always the, the very simple, Hey, they're just a spy. I mean, there's nothing more I could say. They're, they're just a spy. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's, there's just a, a fun bit of little things that uh, you can do to kind of just add a little bit of spice to some of your NPCs. No, you know, not, totally. not every single character they run into is going to have a, uh, a neutral good alignment. Yep. So mix it up. Variety yeah. is the spice of life. And exactly. if you have cool NPC stories, oh, please say so. Send them in. We would love to, we'd love to read them and then copy your awesome ideas in our campaigns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, uh, one other thing too. There's also the blatant, Oh, this dude's going to totally betray me. Which, you know, if you work for like a crime syndicate or something like that, you know, take out a job for whatever reason, heck, it's in their MO. They're going to betray him for the highest, you know, bidder or whatever. Just follow through with that. Who cares if if that's completely predictable? It's fitting to the character. Yeah. And not only that, uh, if you want to make it even more interesting, give the party the ability to double cross the double crosser. Yeah. Because oh, that anything you can do in that type of situation will make your players feel really good mm-hmm. because they will then be able to one up you or one up the, the story or whatever and hopefully be able to come up with neat things that will lead to better story moments. Exactly. And I mean, all of this is it's the idea of it's going to be fun for you to kind of set something up and have like one of the neat things as a DM is having the payoff of, of some of the stuff that you've worked on and just the enjoyment that you see, but also it's a lot of fun to experience all that stuff. So that's one of the reasons, like Ryan said, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. I've thought about it a lot and I just have not implemented any of it yet because I really want to have a really good reason for it. So yep, one of these days though, one of these days, one of them, it'll come. Um, so moving on a little bit, uh, we're going to have another class topic tonight. And this one is the sorcerer and, uh, sorcerer, unlike the wizard, uh, they're, they're both magic users. Mm -hmm. So you, you got the, you got the whole spellcaster vibe going for you, but whereas where the wizard is the book, book learned studying type sorcerer is the magic is innately within me mm-hmm. and i'm going to just cast these spells sometimes with reckless abandon or in interesting or weird ways oh yeah um gosh interesting or weird ways there's so like so big of a difference between a wizard and a sorcerer i mean other than just the book smarts and the innate magic ability um i mean just to start off with where you get that magic ability is actually a really big part of uh, you as a sorcerer. Uh, one of the neat things is that, I mean, just in the, the original player handbook, you had a couple cool options of, you know, like having a, you know, descendant from dragons. How cool is that? But uh, they've actually added some more stuff. There's some, some things in the unearthed arcana that, uh, go all the way from some, you know, you, you had an encounter with an aberration and it, it left like a, a, a mind spike in your head and you've been able to develop powers because of it. And um, 
lots of really fun things all the way down to wild magic, which we will get into in a little bit here. But the biggest difference I would have to say is the, the use of sorcery points. Now, Ryan, you're a big fan of sorcery points, even though you haven't played a sorcerer much. It's, it's been on my like to play. So I've played a sorcerer in one shots, but I've never, I've never played a sorcerer in, in long-term campaigns, but from a, from a caster perspective, especially with the whole uh, spell slot mechanic in 5e sorcerers appeal to me a lot because you get these things as you level up called sorcery points and you can do a lot of different stuff with them uh, but one of the biggest things you can do with them is that you can use them to recharge spell slots Mm -hmm. which is a really really cool mechanic because there's not a whole lot of things that let you get spells back i believe the only actual caster that gets spells back on short rest is warlock and they're limited to their their two slots so it kind of makes sense but from a sorcerer perspective you can be running low on resources and be like aha sorcery points and recover (laughs) uh, a first second third fourth or even fifth level spell with sorcery points and so it really adds a ton of flexibility um, and lets you be a little more uh, resource heavy than than some of the other classes. Exactly. And in case you want more sorcery points back, it actually flows the other way as well. You can spend some of your spell slots in order to gain more sorcery points. But the big question is, is what else can you use them for other than actually getting spell slots back? And this is where the... The, the big key feature that every sorcerer gets, no matter what your you know, uh, background or, or whatever it is, I always forget what they call like the subclass. So we're just going to say subclass. Um, but that is metamagic. And what this is, is at third level, you're able to use your sorcery points to um, have different effects kind of added onto your spells. Uh, it's not like, oh, I'm using magic missile, but it's fire damage or anything like that. That's not exactly like that. This is something where if you spend sorcery points with the different metamagic feats that you choose, um, you're able to do different things like uh, distant spell. It's just one sorcery point and uh, you can double the length of the range. Yeah, double the range of the spell. So if it's something that's normally 60 feet, boom, you can fire that thing out to 120 feet. That that right there can stop someone from running away. (laughs) Yeah. Add a warcaster to that. You don't have to worry about anything ever again as a, a spellcaster. <laughs> um, well, it, it's cool because there's a lot of different choices too. Starting at third level, you get to pick two of eight different different meta magic abilities, and you'll get two more as you level up. So you'll only ever be able to get four, and that's just another one of these variety. Like, no two sorcerers are probably going to be the exact same. Uh, there's, there's cool stuff like extended spell. Like when you cast a spell that has a duration of a minute or longer, you can spend a sorcery point to double its duration up to 24 hours. Mm-hmm. That's that pretty really dang nice. cool. You can twin a spell that a spell that normally only targets one creature. You can spend a sorcery point equal to the spell's level to target a second creature, which comes in really pretty handy. Cool. Yeah. Especially yeah. in like a big crowd situation. Yeah, um, I, I'm a big fan of the subtle spell, which is 
absolutely fantastic, especially if you're in some dire straits. That's you cast a sorcery point and you can uh, cast it without any somatic or verbal components. That's yeah, pretty handy. That's super huge. That's uh, your, your uh, sneak casting, especially. You're mm-hmm. basically just wiggling your fingers. Nope, not even because there's no you're Not somatic. even wiggling your yeah. fingers. You're just thinking it. You're just thinking it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, I was great. I was mixing up somatic with material for some mm-hmm. reason. But um, yeah, no, that's... I just like look at you and a fireball explodes. Yeah, love it when that happens. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just normal everyday life. Now, as when you play as a sorcerer, when that happens, that's even better. Um, but speaking of fireballs, there's also something called careful spell which is very important if you're just throwing fireballs all over the place. Uh, basically, you spend a sorcery point and uh, you can actually protect some of the people who are in that. Uh, they automatically succeed on saving throws if it's you know like an AoE effect and there's a saving throw in, associated with it, which that's great. Uh, still keep in mind that some of those spells do still t- uh, cause damage no matter what, even if you save. Like fireball. Yes. But it's less damage, which is what matters most. <laughs> you so your party will only be half as mad at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there's a dwarf, they're fine. I'll just, yeah, just throw the fireballs on the dwarves. Dwarves are uh, hardy. They can withstand anything. They're fine. <laughs> uh, there is a type uh, of sorcerer that you wanted to talk about too. And it's, there's, there's a lot of different subclasses. There's as of as of right now, as of this recording, there's two different unearthed arcana ones in testing: Clockwork Soul and Aberrant Mind. But you also have Divine Soul, Draconic Bloodline, Shadow Magic, Storm Sorcery, and the one Ben's going to talk about, which is probably one of my absolute favorite things in this game: <laughs> Wild Magic. Yeah, Wild Magic. It's it's pretty amazing, and depending on who you're playing with and how. I don't know, accepting of potential chaos they are, uh, you can have some really fun times or really upset some people. Um, so the, the idea behind wild magic is, is that, you know, you're, 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 you're part of this, this whole fabric of magic and everything, and you've been exposed to just this raw source of magic. So anytime that you're doing any spell casting that's level or first level or higher or kind of when the dm decides you know depending on if you know they want to add to it like uh, say you're under a heavy amount of stress or something maybe some wild magic's erupting out or something like that um what you'll do is you roll a d20 if you hit a one wild magic happens and then at that point um in at least the player handbook uh there's a chart where you roll you know d100 or you know the two tens to make it 100 and based on where it ends up, you get some sort of effect that just happened. So you cast your spell like normal, and then boom, wild magic happens on top of that. And I mean, some of these things are pretty great. Others are horrible, absolutely horrible. Um, and of course, there's very benign ones and also you know, very large, devastating ones. Like... Um, if you roll a seven or eight, you cast a fireball at third level spell like centered on yourself. So all of a sudden you just blow up. Yep. Yeah. Not, or, not so great. <laughs> even worse. If you roll a 55 to 56, your hair falls out, mm-hmm. but it does come back all within 24 hours. It does. It yeah. Does. Um, gosh, I don't remember what the number is, but on one of these, uh, you turn blue. Just, you just turn blue. 
Yeah, 23 to 24. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, and only a remove curse can end that. So you're just blue until you have it removed, <laughs> which is great. What a, what a funny deal <laughs> that would I, be. I'm a big fan of uh, 41 to 42, which is a, uh, I would like to think it's a Hitchhiker's Guide reference. Uh, you turn yourself into a potted plant until the start of your next turn. But while you're a plant, uh, you are incapacitated and have vulnerability to all damage. If you drop to zero hit points, your pot breaks and you turn back into yourself. I don't know how many hit points a potted plant actually has. I don't either. I don't know if there's stats. For, I, there's got to be stats. Or is that. it your hit points? Maybe it's your hit points. I think it's your, It just sucks. Yeah. You're just kind of sitting there as a plant. You're a plant. It's only for a turn. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what could but, happen? But the cool thing about, about this specific subclass is you, you can do all sorts of things. There are um, tons of homebrew wild magic tables mm-hmm. that you can roll on. And if you have a person that wants to do a wild magic sorcerer, you could potentially talk to them about it, make up your own, or find one of the, the several uh, ones that have been created or just use the ones from the, the player's handbook. Um, one of the other really cool homebrew rules I've seen for wild magic that uh, I would probably personally use just for some extra fun mm-hmm. is that uh, usually you make your wild magic roll every time you cast a spell. Uh, and in this, in, in normal, you know, baseline, if you roll a one, you get the wild magic surge. Mm-hmm. One of my, my favorite homebrew rules is if you don't get your wild magic surge, the count goes up. So next time like one a or wild two. magic happen on a one or two, then a one, two or three, then a one, two, three or four, and it continues to go up. So eventually mm-hmm. you will get a wild magic surge. And so I think that makes it a lot more interesting because you know it's building up to this potential moment and the percentage is getting higher and higher. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing like that too, you have to think carefully about what you actually want to do. Is it worth casting something at this point? And it adds a lot of depth to your character and your character decisions. And I think that's actually pretty cool. I like that. I, I, I would, if I choose wild magic, I'm going to talk to whoever my DM is and uh, bring that up as a possibility. I like that. That's pretty it just, it just, it definitely can introduce more randomness and more mm-hmm. chaos, but that's the whole point of, Wild magic. Exactly. Now, <laughs> as a sorcerer. Kind of to, to help offset that a little bit too, some of the things that you get as a wild magic sorcerer uh, are absolutely fantastic and very helpful. Uh, like just at level one, you're able to give yourself advantage on an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. You get to do that um, once for, or once per long rest. So all the, you know, you don't need inspiration. You don't need anything else. You just say, I want advantage on this. Roll it. There you go. You're good. Um, at sixth level, you're able to actually kind of twist fate. Um, you do your wild magic throw twice. and Oh, no, wait. That's at 14th level. Sorry. At 14th level, you do your wild magic roll twice, and you get to choose between the effects. So you have a little bit more control over that. Yeah, which I, I really like. It's just you're getting stronger. You're getting more powerful. You can control the wild magic surges a little more. Exactly. Um, at six level, that's the one that I uh, meant to, to talk about. Um, you can use two sorcery points and roll a D4 to apply it as a bonus or a penalty to someone else's role, whether it's an enemy or a, a party member. So you're, you're, you know, kind of 
stuck with uh, whatever destiny and chance is giving you, but you're able to kind of twist back a little bit and help control the, the battlefield or non-battlefield uh, in, in certain ways. And again, it adds a lot of depth and some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And not only, not only that, just in general, uh, so sorcerers do get to learn up to ninth level spells. So mm-hmm. they are what is considered a full pure caster class. Um, they'll be able to learn the highest level of magic in the game. They have a fairly different set of magic than wizards use too. Um, I believe wizards have access to the most, the widest variety of magic in the game. Whereas sorcerers, the magic's coming from in you. You've got a little narrower pool, but you don't have to study <laughs> yeah. and, and prepare those spells like a, like a wizard does. So it's, it's trade-offs. It's, it's very much a, a play style. Um, and it's mm-hmm. one that I, I definitely want to put into use again soon. Yeah. And uh, I, I played a sorcerer for just a, a couple sessions on uh, plus five to hit when I was first, you know, kind of brought in as a guest before I became full time. And I got to say, there, there's some fun stuff that uh, I was able to do. I didn't really take too much advantage of the sorcerer points because I was very new at it. But uh, I, I did have a lot of fun just kind of knowing that I didn't have to prep spells for the day. I didn't have to do anything. That. It's just innate. It's what I knew. I'm good to go. And yep. uh, it was a lot of fun. Yep. But if you play a sorcerer, make sure sorcery points. Those are your, those are your like special thing. Don't forget that those exist because there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with them and they'll save your butt. Exactly. They're one of the best utilities for any of the classes. If you ask me. Yep. I agree. It's, it's very much, um, if you had to compare it to something, I would I would compare it to like monkey. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's that it's that in interior resource that's mm-hmm. that's coming from you that is uh, extremely useful and is very um, coupled with the class. Like you, if mm-hmm. you don't use it much, you're you're missing out on a lot. Exactly, exactly. So play a sorcerer; they're pretty yeah. cool. Did we say that after every class? <laughs> We're going to continue (laughs) saying that after every class we do. (laughs) Yes. Because every single time we say it, it's true. It it is. Um, All right. So moving on a little bit uh, to our community content shout out. This is really cool. So everyone knows that we're under, most of us are under lockdown. We probably will be for several more weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wizards, is here to help though. Uh, dnd.wizards.com slash remote slash free material. And we'll have this link in our show notes uh, on dndiscussions.com. Uh, Wizards has been releasing freebies every day for this, this past week that you can just jump on and download. They've got coloring pages. They've got uh, mini adventures, uh, secrets of soul keep an adventure for levels one through four. Uh, they've got all the, the links, I believe, uh, Lost Minds of uh, Van Delver, they've released for free oh, right nice. now, which is super cool. Um, and that's also on D&D Beyond right now. You can go check that out. 
they've released several D&D Adventurers League adventures. Most of them are levels one through four. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've released an Encounters in Avernus, more than 60 short encounters for Avernus to, to help out uh, with your um, Avernus adventure. <laughs> <laughs> guess, guess what that goes to? Uh, <laughs> But yeah, they, they've got a bunch of little coloring books, mazes for, for kids. There's a salt marsh encounters one to go along with your uh, salt marsh campaign. It's, it's all freebie stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for some more D and D material or you're looking to even just get started with the game, all the resources you need pretty much are right there, especially lost minds. Lost minds is a great starter campaign to, to go through it's got pre-generated characters. It uses all the, the free rules from the, just the standard uh, free rules edition um, that anybody can go and download. If you don't have dice, you can find dice generators or dice rollers all over the internet, completely mm-hmm. free. That's all you need. Yeah. And you can, if you want to uh, make it easier, Go to D&D Beyond, create a free account, and all that stuff is going to be accessible for free on there too. Exactly. I absolutely love that Wizards is doing this. And it's just you know a way of, of uh, keeping people together during a time when we all have to be apart. So, yeah. D&D, well. D&D has been really big, honestly, for, for helping keep us together. And as we, as we kind of move into the, what we're doing in games, uh, <laughs> I've had three sessions of D and D with my in-person, but currently virtual groups three in my normally once a month campaigns. Mm-hmm. I've had in the two. last two weeks. <laughs> it's, it's kind of great. Quarantine's not good. Like none of this situation. We're, we're is making good, the best of it, but is what it comes down to. We are making the best of it. So Ben, why don't well, you no, tell us? I'm a little... starting with you oh. first. Because oh, you want to start? Really with me? curious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, some big stuff was going down for you last time we talked. Big stuff. Uh, so I'll I'll start with my my player game. Um, we've been moving. We've been on the. It's it's kind of a. I, I think I mentioned it's kind of an Eberron esque. Uh, that type of technology level. So our whole group was um, riding basically the, uh, the, the world's in-world bullet train mm-hmm. <laughs> over to the, this, this large capital city named Silvertide. And we're going along. And of course, there's a little train heist type thing. Oh, uh, Got to have that if you're going to do something like that. But then there was this massive explosion. One of the, the stops threw the train off the rails. Ooh we got stuck in this like swamp several miles outside of the town. So we're trudging along this creature, this jellyfish electri- electrified jellyfish, big old creature gets spooked by us. We, as we picked up a few civilians walking through and we start fighting and it's got this poison cloud thing that does damage and obscures the area. Our, so part of part of why this whole situation happened ended up happening the way it did was bad rolls and bad tactics. Yeah. The 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 enemy of all players. <laughs> bad rolls and bad <laughs> tactics. Um it wasn't necessarily that the the monster the the DM threw at us was overpowered or anything. Um 
our druid went down and due to the nature of the poison cloud none of the people who had healing spells could see him he made a death save he failed and so we're gonna go in and so he had one more roll death save before we could probably find him and pull him out he rolls he rolls a one Oh no. So, and we don't have a cleric. Oh no. In our party. So, sadly, our druid friend ended up dying permanently oh, in the swamp. No. First, first player death in, in that particular campaign. We're, we're level five right now in that in that particular one yeah uh first death so that was that was pretty rough um he was linked his backstory was linked pretty heavily to one of the other characters too and so that character took it really hard uh, my character ended up um having shape earth and so i made a burial spot for him in the swamp we buried him in the swamp had a little ceremony it was, it was rough. Uh, and then the next session we, we continued on into the town because there's pressing, pressing concerns. And we met the player's new character <laughs> there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to lose a character, uh, but especially uh, bad roles, bad tactics can it, it can hurt a little bit. And uh, when there's no cleric or there's no, any sort of revivification, revivification spell or nothing in any sort of distance, death can be a real thing. Yeah. No kidding. Wow. That's a, that's, that's a real big bummer, but I mean, it happens. It does. And and that's a, it's one of the hard parts, especially if it's a character that's been around for a while, but um I mean, going into this, that's why you always talk to your players and say, hey, death is a possibility. So yeah. Yep. So so that was so that was unexpected. It was an unexpected moment in our in our player game. Um and then we continue to have more unexpected moments in the game IDM, where mm-hmm. we are deep within a, a dwarven tomb and as of last session three of the six characters were stolen in the night by what turned out to be a very large pack of crypt spiders. So uh, three of the characters awoke 40 feet in the air, hanging upside down, (laughs) while the other three ran down a set of stairs from the room they were in and were assaulted by these things in the middle of the night who thought they were prey. And so it was it was a, a new experiment I did. It's all theater of the mind, mm-hmm. which I was planning on running this on theater of the mind anyways, because just due to the nature of it, there's, I, I love theater of the mind in certain situations because it allows the players to think outside the box. It allows the DM to gravitate towards creating extra things that you could never do on a battle map or allowing extra things you can never do on a battle map. Um, so I did a split initiative and I had 
what the first group of three role initiative and the second group of three role initiative. And so we basically did the first set of three who were on the ground fighting spiders, mm-hmm. did their combat, and then we panned up to the ceiling and did that set of three and their turns as they tried to get out and then, and then figure out how, and yep. Oh, and then figure cool. out how they were going to get down from the ceiling. And so it was, it actually ended up working out really well. And the whole, my whole encounter design was, um, these spiders aren't super strong, mm-hmm. like 15 to 25 hit points. They're most likely getting, getting to get taken out in a set of attacks. But the whole idea was just numbers, right? So yeah. my, my initial plan was the spiders are going to go three rounds. I'm going to roll a D4 and a D4 plus two each round to see how many spiders are attacking. Mm-hmm. And then after the third round, I'm going to start rolling a D20. On a 20 to 17, they start retreating because they're getting overwhelmed or they're getting killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I expanded that by four every round after that. Or that, nice. was, that was the plan. So eventually they would survive the gauntlet after I, I rolled and the spiders would basically get scared off. Mm-hmm. Um, third round hits and they found that these things are, are not super, super damaging. There, there's, there's enough to make them a little worried, but they're, mm-hmm. they've only got like a plus five to hit. So and my characters in my campaign are level eight. And so they're, they're only hitting one out of three, one out of four attacks right Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) the the roof group was coming up with a plan of how (laughs) they were gonna get back down to the floor that was like 40 feet oh or so (laughs) down so they're 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 trying to they're slowly cutting their way out they're coming up with a plan they've been moving and so spiders are starting to come on the ceiling to attack them because (laughs) because of the movement they're sensing and my barbarian his name is Zerg. He's a wonderful lad. Uh, <laughs> he goes, I'm going to light a torch and I'm going to throw it up there. It's like, okay. Uh, make strength check. Mm-hmm. He does. And of course he gets like an 18 or something. Tosses that torch up there, hits the webbing I'm like, okay, I'm going to roll and see how flammable this stuff is. <laughs> Higher the number, the more flammable it is. Natural 20. Oh. <laughs> he ignites the entire webbing, and it just goes off like, you know, like rags soaked in gasoline. Nice. And so that then gives my roof crew one or two rounds to act figure out what to do before the fire just consumes the webbing that they are hanging from and they just fall 40 feet oh man of course at this point my whole little let's do three rounds and then start rolling Mm -hmm. nope that's gone that's out the window these are crypt spiders the the fire starting to spread they are they're done. Mm-hmm. That's they. They're just freaked out. They're done, and so then it turns into this whole huge deal of roof crew. What are you gonna do? <laughs> How's it gonna go? And uh, there was immovable rods. There was ropes. There was 
slipping from said ropes. There was being caught underneath. There was trying to be caught from underneath and then barely missing. It was, <laughs> it, it, it turned a very side type encounter into something incredibly memorable. And it's something that we could only have done in theater of the mind. That's very cool. So that was super fun. Super, super good. Fun. Good. What about you? Oh man. Mr. Double sessions. Uh, so I, I way over prepped the first one because uh, I figured, okay, they, okay. So um, if you remember, they, they brokered the deal between the orcs and the people of midday. So they're actually working together now to, uh, you know, keep the town safe and, and continue uh, like food production. Cause it's the main farming area of the, of the region and stuff. Um, so the party followed this, this, this necrotic energy that was heading towards the forest, towards this mage tower in there. So they get to the forest and there's no animal life, no sounds whatsoever. When they're, they're um, like, you know, kind of hitting the trees and everything. The trees aren't exactly alive, but they're not dead either. They, they, they're like husks of something that was alive. So it's, you know, very much not a, not a fun, happy place. By the time they get to the, the mage tower, there's this big ball of energy and I kind of totally homebrewed this idea of um, the the wizard cast like a, a time stop spell because the whole idea is that he's trying to suck up uh, like soul energy and living energy from the fight between the orcs and the people of midday. And he's using that energy to power this thing that they haven't uncovered yet. So he wants to, to buy as much time as possible and since the, the only reason that the orcs were able to get to the town in the first place is because the, 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 the silver dragon that was protecting the town had gone over to stop the wizard from what was happening. So he was holding everything in like, you know, like, like a, a cryo state. So my people dispelled the bubble. And it was like basically right at the very beginning of the fight where the dragon just got there. And she's like, you've summoned friends and... Uh, luckily our warlock, he's actually using the, uh, um, he, he took a level in sorcery. He's doing the aberrant mind. So he can just immediately just mind, you know, telepathically speak to, to anything. Oh, that's awesome. So he talks to the dragon. He's like, Hey, we're here to help if you want to kill this dude. <laughs> and so she knew that, okay, they're here for help and big, huge battle ensued and everything. Um, in the middle of the fight, the wizard noticed the warlock and called him out as you've betrayed us and this has nothing to do with the topic um but you betrayed us and and fired a disintegration ray at him because you know i've upped this wizard i you know built him in D beyond and everything like that oh dang and yeah the way that's the what level are your people by the way right seven now? okay but the Ooh. thing is is i was planning on having him fighting mainly the dragon but um because of backstory and how things are going uh there's this this cult it's called the cult of quinn and they wear purple robes and the warlock has no memory other than what his patron kind of tells him and he knows that he needs to just destroy anyone wearing purple robes so he was just focused like dead set on him and he's you know firing spells trying to do everything he can the wizard realized who he was what he was doing got pissed off and used one of his seventh level spells at him instead. Oh boy. And I, I 
I didn't even read the description or anything like that. I'm like, this dude's pissed. He's going to fire this at him as opposed to trying to hit the dragon, you know, get rid of the dragon. And so I looked at it and I'm like, okay, I need you to roll a, uh, a dexterity saving throw. You need to hit 18. He's <laughs> like, okay. And then I looked and I'm like, oh God. Oh no. I really hope he hits this because it could literally like it. That's a one shot for this character. Yeah. On a failed save, it's 10 D six plus 40. The character has 33 hit points. And I think if it kills you, you disintegrate dust. Yeah. You're (laughs) dust. Um, he rolled, it got a total of 19. Thank God for halfling luck because he rolled a one first. So I know you would have had your own dead character story. Yeah, yeah. And you I, can't I, resurrect disintegration near as easily. No, you need a, a true resurrection or a wish, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. So unknowingly, I nearly killed a player, which was a lot of fun, kind of. But after um, the fact, after the fact, yeah. After the fact, I'm just, I, I like I read it what he needed to do and then kept reading the spell description stuff and i'm just like oh god and i'm like okay is it is this one of those where it's half damage if you make the save because even then he would probably be dead but nope it's only if you fail (laughs) thank goodness um so anyway so they they did end up beating him um the dragon he did a huge lore dump about the cult about um this demigod who uh, basically the, the the pantheon for some reason uh, had this demigod actually create the world except he's such a perfectionist that uh, and he had uh, five five helpers and i totally captain planted it with you know earth wind uh, fire water and then like life um, so they were helping you know create this world and he destroyed it over and over again because he was just mad with seeking perfection until finally the world was created as is. And then the Pantheon took him and his uh, helpers and locked them away in the abyss so that he doesn't come back and, and, and destroy it. So that's what the, the, the cultists are trying to do is free him so that he'll come and create the perfect world for them. And so huge lore dump. Yeah. Huge, huge lore dump. Um, turns out that the warlock one of his patrons is one of the helpers who created the world so they've got that to kind of unravel and you know dig into a little bit more um and then that was the end of the first session second session was just uh, last night and oh, man. Uh, they went into the mage tower trying to find the source of whatever's sucking in all this energy and this is the first real dungeon crawl that i've done for them too um, you know, I had a, a couple fun little traps or they just had like a minuscule, uh, combat in there and everything. And, uh, we, we had some fun with it and you can tell when a player, when a group is really starting to, or really feeling comfortable with each other and having fun when they start playing magical, practical jokes on each other, <laughs> we had a lot That's of that. Fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, it, it's great because, so I had this trap set up where there's a, like this, this uh, fog just in a hallway where they, they couldn't bypass it at all. And the only way to get past it was to like drop a little bit of blood in this basin on the, the floor below. Um, except 
I mean, a lot of hijinks to ensue trying to figure out where to go everywhere and stuff like that. And then, so our cleric didn't want to do that at first because he's like, well, is this pledging myself to another God? And so the warlock is like, well, why don't you just let your God protect you? You know, just kind of like a, he didn't mean it as an insult, but it totally came out that way. So then after that, the cleric used thaumaturgy to make like scratching sounds from inside a sarcophagus and like totally messing around with each other and stuff. And it was, oh, it was a blast. We had a lot of fun with that. It's always fun when your players start messing with each other. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, yeah. that's how you know you're there. Exactly. So, uh, you know, they, they go through, they actually ended up opening up the sarcophagus, dispelling uh, a, a magical ward that I had on it. And uh, they got a, a nice uh, full set of plates, armor of uh, uh, resi- or, uh, yeah, resistant to necrotic damage. So the paladins got that. And um, they walked down the hallway a little bit further to a portal all step through and that's where we ended the game. Oh, speaking of magical items, <laughs> I for, I just forgot the best part of the oh. whole escape because to get off the ceiling, my rogue and the NPC were stuck still on the ceiling mm-hmm. after the, the others had, had gotten off and he goes, wait, can I use my scroll? I was like, what? What scroll is this? He's like, I think I've had this for like three years. <laughs> and so he looks back and I was just like, wait a second. Cause our, my campaign has been going for probably almost three years now. Okay. Um, or two and a half years, something like that. And very early on, my party ran into this traveling wizard salesman who was selling discount spell scrolls that did (laughs) all manner of things that you didn't quite expect them to. Mm -hmm. Our rogue haggled him down and got several different ones. And so when he said, let me check, I was like, holy crap, is this the one you got from the traveling salesman? Like two and a half years ago in like session three or four. And he was like, yeah, I think so. It's the teleport one. My eyes just went wide. I went back to my notes and looked. I was like, okay, go ahead and use it. So he grabs onto the dwarf. He teleports down. And the funny thing about this teleport scroll is that it only teleports you. It doesn't actually teleport anything you're wearing or anything on your person so he and the dwarf arrive safely on the ground completely naked as their stuff just starts raining from the ceiling (laughs) and just falling all over the oh it was everyone was dying it was just it was an incredible moment just because he remembered that he had a teleport scroll from like two and a half years ago that Notes he bought from a traveling wizard. Handy, everybody. If you're playing yep. and you don't keep track of what you have, I can guarantee you the DM doesn't follow that. I can also guarantee that <laughs> because I had completely forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had notes stuff. on it. So, that's good yeah. stuff. We, we both had some pretty good games. Yep. So it's going to be another D&D filled week. We've got plus five tomorrow. We've got mm-hmm. Feats of Fellowship stream Tuesday night on Spazbot. Um, and then we should be wrapping up an arc in my home slash virtual now 
mm-hmm. game on Friday. Cool. So, I look forward then, to hearing about that. And then I'm going to get a play again next Friday in my campaign. We saw, we're just getting as much as we can in, <laughs> in this quarantine well, time yeah, yeah. when everyone's schedules are the same. Very good. So, cool stuff. Cool stuff. Well, I think that will about wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, but before we go, Ben, why don't you let people know where we can be reached? All right. Well, if you're looking for other episodes of this show and you're thinking, gosh, this is just great. I need more. You can always go to dndiscussions.com as well as check us out on like iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google, like everything. We're everywhere. Just, you know, take a look. You'll find us. Um, if you want to actually tell us about your stories and you've got, you know, a, a bit of time and it's a long one, make sure to send us an email. Uh, we do check those out. They are dndiscussions at gmail.com. But if you have a quick question or just want to, you know, say hi, uh, chat a little bit over Twitter, you can always check us out at DN Discussions on Twitter. And also, Ryan, if they're looking for you specifically, where can they find you? You can find me over on Twitter at TBKZord. Hit me up and we'll talk gaming. We'll talk D&D. Always Sounds good. Always good to chat about that stuff. Yeah, Especially now. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm more bored. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, we had a, a very tiny exchange earlier today about DuckTales because that new series is so good. Highly recommended. Oh, yeah. And especially so with the, the, the newest episode, the surprise guests who were on there was great. Incredible. It's just, it's literally just gotten better from season mm-hmm. one. And you might be telling, asking yourself, DuckTales? Woo. Yes. Yes, DuckTales. Woo. Go watch it. So good. Um, if you're looking for me on Twitter, I am at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, I am talking about, uh, of course, video games, comic books, uh, movies, Animal Crossing. It, it, it's the new life. It's what you do. But uh, until next time, everybody, make sure you check out our uh, gaming show, Plus 5 to Hit. Uh, we've got some really good, fun story stuff going. We have a new member to the party now, which is pretty great. And uh, we're going to keep that going and having fun I'm, with it. I'm excited about that. Me too. Oh my gosh, we're, we're, we're heading into some territory, folks. It's going to be good. It is. But uh, until next time, uh, thank you very much for listening. Be good to each other. Take care. <laughs>